This is the Education Business Podcast for consultants and business owners providing services in schools. I'm Claire Riley, and I'll be sharing how to start, grow, and scale your education business. Ed, welcome to the Education Business Podcast. I'm I'm pleased to be here. So yes. I did wonder when I said that if that would confuse people because obviously Ed Riley is here, but also uh-huh. Ed Tranum is also here. So it's going to be a very interesting conversation because um, hopefully we're not going to confuse you. Um, but I wanted to say thank you so much for joining us today. It is our um, mission, really, when we're interviewing people, to make sure that we're interviewing people that we can really learn from. Um, so we know that we can learn a ton from you. So I imagine that a lot of people listening to this podcast right now might not have heard of you or have any idea what you're doing. So do you want to tell us what you do and, and your, your background, really, how you got into doing what you're doing now? Okay, well, I, well I've, I've been, um, well, I began life as, as an accountant, as a uh, public sector accountant uh, at uh, Cambridgeshire County Council. And I essentially became the education accountant at the, uh, at the county or one of the education accountants and Cambridgeshire, or this is back in the back of the eighties, was uh, was one of the pilots for local financial management before budgets were devolved to schools. And uh, I think on the basis of that, I I when the Education Reform Act came out, which is gone about eighty eight, I, I I joined Capita um, and as the education consultant to develop their education practice. And uh, I guess within sort of two years, decided actually it'd be better to do my own thing. And with three former colleagues at uh, Cambridgeshire or ex-colleagues at Cambridgeshire, we created a business called Cambridge Education Associates Mm -hmm. that essentially went out and worked with uh, local authorities and schools to talk about uh, devolved budgets, building building all the all the formulas that distributed the money. And then... uh, uh, within a few years, we we, we got into uh, the 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 early stage of Ofsted inspections, and that was the uh, that was that was the business. And the Cambridge Education Associates ultimately was sold to um, a very confusing Cambridge Education Consultants, right. <laughs> which is part of Mott McDonald. And uh, in meanwhile, I I I'd started another business um, called Optimus uh, Education, which was a publishing business and this is the link really between what we're doing now in terms of the assignment report which is effectively a, a, a newsletter because optimus was a, uh, a a newsletter business that was we launched for schools uh, again 97 so you got new labor and the premise of the business was very much lots of information now lots of money being spent uh, at long mm-hmm. last in, in 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 schools in particular lots of information going to schools and our our sort of thinking was, was the information getting below down to the, the actual people that needed it, i.e. if you were a CPD cold nature or a curricular manager. So we we essentially built all these um, these communities. And this is many ways before you would do everything as the key does, for example, on online. We, we did everything as flat, essentially paper printed newsletters. And we created a, you know, we, we, we essentially identified worry badges within the school. So if your job was CPD coordinator, Senko or whatever, you wore a wore, you wore a badge mm-hmm. and you wanted information to help you do your job more uh, more effectively. So 
we had these subscription newsletters and uh, on the back of that we then created um, created conferences for those individual uh, in, in individual groups and then sold the uh, ultimately sold the business to a company that was listed on aim called electric word and uh, we sort of stayed there and we grew we grew the business to about five million pounds in in, in in the end and uh, I left uh, oh must have been 2008 to essentially set up this Lacey's Venture, which is the assignment report, uh, which had already been set up, but it came across my desk, uh, Electric Word, as a potential acquisition opportunity, which uh, I, I was sort of in, engaged at UW looking at acquisition opportunities, but it wasn't, it was too small, uh, but I was about to leave um, the, the company. So I thought I, I'll, I'll take it on myself. So that's that's why I, I've now got the assignment report, which has now been chuntering on for about almost 15 years now. And, uh, for those who don't know the assignment report, it's essentially it's a business intelligence uh, newsletter, monthly newsletter with a lot more digital content than people actually use at the moment. But uh, which, which say goes out monthly and provides uh, good in-depth analysis of uh, transactions, M&A transactions, fundraising, um, financial results, particularly in the UK industry. But what I've done over time is to extend it to other. I guess other more international markets, in, in particularly the US education market, partly to reflect the fact that that we got subscribers in the US, but also because there's I think increasingly now what what happens here or what happens in the US sort of migrates over to the UK, and over time we we built up a I suppose ninety percent of our subscriber base of what I would call trade, so we're not really a a, a, a report for the uh, for private equity although 10 percent of our subscribers are sort of private equity and investors and then about 90 percent of our subscribers are in the the uk and we've sort of developed a, a big big community of uh subscribers um and as, as you know we run uh, we, we 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 run events for networking within the industry um and that's so that's that's juddering along and and under the surface we do more more granular research for for for, uh, for, for clients most of whom are our, our subscribers, um, and then in addition to that, I've got a, a, another another interest in a in a, in a business that is, is in the in the whole area of uh, artificial intelligence, uh, but more more a software tool to enable people to build very sophisticated models in for financial services and insure, insurance companies. But that's completely uh, completely different. Yeah. Well, did you see Did you see Ed Riley's eyes light up when you said AI then? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, don't don't get me started on Chat DTP. So um, that's that's the I don't know if you've seen that one recently, but that's very interesting stuff. Yeah, no, I think well, I think, I think there's always I think the problem about AI is just thrown around. I, I perhaps I don't I don't want to sort of throw it around, but it, you know, there's there's a lot of people claiming AI, but there's really artificial mm. intelligence. It's more a sort of brick in a computer uh, argument. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I want to uh, thank you for that. Um obviously we've been to a couple of the events and that's been um really useful. Yeah. I think um I suppose in some ways it does depend on the size of your company or what you're wanting to do next, but um in terms of networking really, really useful. So say you're a smaller business and you're listening um now, what would you say the benefits are of um maybe starting to read the assignment report? Well, I think well, aside or whatever, I think I think one of the key, and I like sort of come across this 
indeed some of the some of the work we do is i think that if you're it doesn't matter really what size of business you are you 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 need to be aware very much about the sort of competitive landscape mm-hmm. that you're operating in I, I think many and all even to the extent of actually knowing what silo because i think one of the issues in particularly in the uh, in, in in the schools uk schools market is that there are lots of different mm-hmm. silos and different you know that, that that you know you have even even in your area you've got you know you can argue you've got the the traditional textbook mm-hmm. providers and then you've got the next silo which what I, I would describe as the sort of supplementary that essentially you know uh, uh, the su- supplementary publishers that uh, sort of in part have grown up because there's a there's there's some technology advantage that they that they move quicker, or alternatively they've got they're 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 seeing gaps and opportunities because the larger boys and or larger companies rather are not uh, not 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 filling those gaps. Um, so I think understanding that 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 landscape is very important. I think it's important. Uh, and this is obviously what the assignment report provides is is how your competitors are doing, how they're assessing where you are um because i think we we sort of tend to some of some of the work we do for example we we tend to look at the market in in, in, in sort of define the market in four types of characters there's there there are those companies and a small number which are, what which we would describe as challenged that have gone over the i won't mention names but there are companies that are long on, long in the tooth that have been probably should have sold some time ago um there are then what we would describe as sort of champions. These are these are the businesses that have, may have, um, and I think our definition of a champion in any particular silo within the sector would be uh, a company that's probably got at least a third market share in, in terms of if you're looking at say the secondary market. So it's about you know there's about fifteen hundred schools in England. If if you've got fifteen hundred, you're 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 doing very well in this market. Mm. Um, I, I would say. Um, You've then got the challengers who uh, think they that, that, that you, who see an opportunity, who are challenging those uh, the, the, those champions. So we're not quite there yet, um, and that's where I guess that's where we're seeing a lot of sort of investment, lots mm-hmm. of movement. Um, and then you've got chasers who are the early stage mm-hmm. companies who are who are who have set up. Um, so I think understanding where you sort of fit in that that sort of landscape um, and um, Together with understanding the trends, in, in particular, you know the, the the particular funding trends, because one of the one of the big issues in in in, in and it's it's the UK and in, and I'd, I'd say arguably lots of sort of Western European and uh, markets is so much is is government funded. The when it comes to the school sector, you you, you don't if you go to Korea or you go to parts of Asia, there's uh, the, the, the the private spend. On education is so much greater as a proportion of household spend, whereas here in the UK we're very we're very much dependent, in particularly in the K, the, the 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 school sector, of of of, of the state mm. funding funding uh, education. So I think as a as a person in the market, you've got to be aware of what's happening in that with those uh, with those funding, and, and of course, as you know, every every year there's, there's some some budget budget pressure. Uh, or, or some, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, there are definitely constraints, so, I mean, aren't I, I, they? Well, yeah, and I think, yeah, absolutely. I think that's, um, yeah, I think that's, you know, one of one of one of the big issues of, of, of understanding, you know, you know, tutoring is a good example, really, of, of of a big 
chunk of money that was uh, was made available to for the catch up uh, post COVID. Mm. And of course, uh, a lot of people a lot of people try to get into that 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 market, and for a number of reasons, it just hasn't. Uh, you know, two two and a bit years ago, everyone was rather excited and tutoring companies. Some of the tutoring companies are getting excited about their own valuation, but I think what you've what you've now seen is that that that's that's you know what you know what government has what the DFE has done with that chunk of funding and putting it more direct to schools rather than slightly you know mm-hmm. rather than how people thought it was mm-hmm. going to be used. So there's a lot of companies that are, you know that have, um, have have struggled have been been struggling uh, in the last uh, twelve months with the the shift in the the way uh, tutoring is funded, so I think all those all those things are are, are very important. I, I think the other the other aspect is is identifying opportunities. So it's not necessarily if you're looking at the I guess the ASI report, we, we often look at what you know looking looking at our analysis companies about where where they're growing, and I think it's it's as a as a small particularly as a small company, it's often trying to find a new opportunity for your your product and I think one of the areas which has grown quite significantly particularly in the last five even before COVID has been the whole international schools market mm-hmm. a lot of people have tended not to focus on that market but I think we're seeing in the last the last five years in particular that the, the the trend in trying to grow the the the, the, uh, the presence in the international market because there's a lot of English UK curriculum schools out there for for, for people to grow their uh, grow their business mm, yeah just thinking what you're saying about funding and i think that's definitely one of the reasons why more companies like classroom secrets have um it made it possible for teachers to buy because if the funding's not there from the school you, you're kind yeah, of constrained yeah. and and it does help a little bit even though it's obviously not ideal um but it, it kind of well, takes the decision away in a way doesn't strange. it yeah, I always find it strange here that if you're in the US, um, I can't remember how much it is, but there is a, if you're a teacher, you can uh, you can offset maybe it's $100, $200 against your tax return, against your taxes for buying curriculum resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be great. We'd kind of, yeah. <laughs> you know, we'd get you on board an yeah. accountant saying, right, okay, this is, this is the process, this is how you do it. <laughs> it's brilliant. Well, I think yeah, I think the I think that yeah, I think you you and obviously you know Twinkle have have, have seen an opportunity there, and obviously um, in the in the early days, exactly this, this is what tests were doing as well mm-hmm. in terms of their uh, their sort of free resources. Uh, so there's, yeah, uh, it's um, and, and and teachers, you know, will spend you know, will as, well, as you know, will will we'll spend some money on on their own results yeah and and generally to save the time more than anything to get to get the life back yeah, yeah. at the end of the day and um, so you've mentioned obviously that um you have another interest in the ai market and i just this question is not one that we agreed but i'm going to go anyway um how hard do you think it is in the education market because um obviously you're an accountant first so it, you've been in education but you don't have a teaching background, but you've stayed in it. So I think, oh, there's a reason why you've stayed in it. Ah, good, good. Uh, well, yeah. Well, I think it's, um, uh, yeah, as, as, a, as a good question. I, I think the for me, it, it, I, the reason why this this the the Paul and I'm very much involved in, in many ways is that it's really, I guess, many ways reflects everything everything that's gone before. 
So over you know over the last thirty plus years or so, probably longer, you sort of I, I built up a network, and in many ways the assignment report is the, the, the you know reflects that network um, in, in in many respects. And it's not that it's um, so you know the, the the event I thought it was quite interesting the event that that we held recently in November. I was speaking to one of the um, one of the in fact the one of the CEO, the, the CEO from the, the, the trust that took part. And I think it's no doubt that I think it was, it was quite interesting that people within the, in schools, obviously see all these companies, um, these for-profit companies, that the only thing that's driving these companies is they want to make mm-hmm. money. Uh, and in speaking afterwards uh, with the, uh, the, the chief executive of the trust, it was interesting that he it, it sort of it sort of realized that, Everyone is everyone is linked. So schools want to improve the, the outcomes of their their students, and so so does so do companies because you only you can only make money if if you actually have a a, pro, a product or a service that that that, that supports the school yeah. in achieving its ambitions. And and I think that's the you know I think that's that's a that, that that's a big thing. So I think there is a. There's probably a lot more to be done, actually, and, and arguably perhaps even for the authority board to, you know, to, to get that message across to to schools that, 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 that everybody isn't just after their money full stop. It's actually everyone in the, you know, most people in the industry want to uh, help schools and multi-academy trusts and mm. indeed local authorities actually benefit the uh, benefit their pupils and students. Yeah, I think it's like any, any sector, really, isn't it? If you're, if you're not listening to your customers and acting on mm. the feedback you're getting and in line with what they want and you're putting yourself at risk really aren't you as a company i think you know really it's like it's kind of across the board as well as in education really i would say well absolutely you've only just got to i think the thing about the market of course is that you've only particularly in education is you've only got to you know we've had some slip-ups in the past by one or two companies mm. and and your whole reputation yeah. is it can be uh can be damaged and uh um and i think the the you know efficacy there's a lot of emphasis on efficacy mm-hmm. and again it's you know one of the things that came again came out of the recent our recent conference that you've you've only got and this is a this is an issue for any early stage company you you've only got a certain number of years when every student so if you're yes you know key stage three and four you've only got five years and and you know to what extent can schools or, or, or multi-academy trust take a risk mm-hmm. <laughs> with a with a with something completely you know less you know from left field in relation to uh, mm. uh, maybe some curriculum some some AI or whatever that doesn't actually doesn't actually work yeah. it's it's, uh, yeah. it's it's getting the, uh, the balancing the risks with the mm. with the benefits and I think that feeling as well of um, oh companies are out to make money that. I mean, that's not just at the top, that's all the way through because we see it in um, when we employ teachers, for example, they already have a feeling of, oh, no, I'm working for a company and now we must be just out to make money. Um, So it's all, it's very embedded. Absolutely. So kind of speaking of that, obviously, lots of the listeners might be thinking about their, in the future, their exit plan. Maybe they've got a desire to sell their business, maybe now, maybe in the future. What have you learnt through your journey about acquisitions that could be useful for anybody looking to sell eventually? 
Well, I think I think I think one of the I think one of the, the big things is for everybody is to understand anyone who wanted to sell their business actually understanding what drives the value uh, because it's not it's not just multiples of uh, revenue or multiples of EBITDA or however you want to define it. And I, I think there's a, you know when I, we we you know when we sort of break this down into you know looking at you know, you know what what are what what people are looking at you know one is is obviously product or service, and I think uh, you know that 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 might be looking at the it, the, the the product in terms of the, the currency. I think one of the again coming back to the issue that this sometimes businesses get too long in the tooth, <laughs> and and you have to question mark you know, question the, the 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 technology, the currency of the product, um, etc. I think the, the attractiveness of the market. I think if you're if you're, you know, one of the the big things it comes you know it comes back to uh, what what what's driving you know what are the growth opportunities and if you're, you know, if you're doing well but there's not, you know, if if you if you feel you're 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 doing well but there's not much growth in the in in the business then that will affect the that that will affect the value um, your competitive positioning. Have you, you know, if you've got a product that makes it very difficult for and this is, you know, um, without, you know, this this has been the issue, for example, for Sims. Where if you've got a, if you've got big barriers to entry, which which Sims has in the past. Um, in fact, I, I think all to say, all to say that one of my, one of my, uh, one of my either claims to fame is I did introduce Sims to uh, Capita um, <laughs> many years ago, many years ago, but. Uh, but if you, yeah, so Sims were for a long time had this fantastic, uh, you know, massive barriers mm-hmm. to entry. But of course, Salon comes the cloud, and you've got that. That so, so but barriers to entry is 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 a is is a big thing. And obviously, your your market share. And I think if you if you're in a if you're in that sort of position where you've got at least a third market share, you know, if you're looking at valuations, you know, people you know people that have got big market shares, you know, people like. Uh, you know, GL for example is a, is is a, is a good example. Then, then that will that that will uh, that that will enhance the uh, your sort of valuation. Um, your customer base churn. I think lots of um, subscriber base. You know, if you've got a subscription based business, then you know it, it's the historic churn. So it, you know, put a lot of work into maintaining a reasonable level which you know you know sort of sort of high 80s 90s would be very good uh, and i've seen some businesses that have been bought where the churners the owners have um, bought businesses and have not treated the business in the same way as the previous owners did and the churners and churner mm-hmm. you know the number of the uh the renewal rates have declined quite dramatically i think the um uh, people i think the the uh, people is important particularly if, if you're if you're looking at your business and you actually don't want to be there in the business when you when you leave there are lots of businesses a lot not you know a, a lot of acquirers often again it depends on the size of business but in in the even if you've got say annual recurring revenue of at least three million pounds which might be the sort of even those kind of businesses a, a buyer may want you to remain in in the business so i think it's important when you if you go to market if you go if you uh if you go to market to sell your business then it's very important to actually still have a plan that you where where the business is going there's no you know i did speak many many um (laughs) had a meeting uh with 
people that wanted to sell their business. Um, and I was sort of advising them about, you know, what not to say. <laughs> and uh, the first thing they said to the potential uh, buyer, acquirer, was, uh, oh, we plan to leave in six months. You know, so it was, you know, that was not the thing to say um, at, at the start of the conversation. Um, so I think it's important if you've got a, you need a, you need a plan, you need to show a buyer, you need to show a potential acquirer that this is, this is this is where the business can go. These are the growth opportunities. Otherwise, they'll be thinking, "Well, is it really attractive? You know, how 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 attractive yeah. is the obviously, you know?" And, and again, Sims is a good example because it, it, it's it's been generating a lot of cash. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're, it really depends on what stage of growth you are as well. Which is, you know, which stage? You know, if you're if you're the sort of cash cow that that, that Sims had become, uh, then there's a different perspective from a, an, yeah. an acquirer than if you're just at an early stage um and i think the the i think you know efficacy again coming back to efficacy i think the i think you know increasingly that that is on and particularly for the more mature businesses that you can actually show that it does 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 make a make make Mm -hmm. a difference and i suppose finally as as somebody's required businesses as well is that you, you you really really want to uh ensure that everything, your whole housekeeping, all your contracts, the whole is is all clean. You know, I did did uh, I won't I won't embarrass them, but I did did come across one company that actually had a horse a horse um, a racehorse on the uh, balance sheet. Wow. Okay. okay. Yeah, so no racehorses, basically. So if you're listening and you've got a racehorse, then uh, maybe in yeah. the next financial year, maybe don't have that racehorse. Well, <laughs> arguably, if it, arguably, although it, 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 not in this particular, but if, if it's a very successful uh, thoroughbred, it might actually be worth more than business. Well, yeah, yeah, course. that's true. Um, quick question. So in different industries, uh, my understanding is that there are different ways to value a business. Is there, is there a set way that's generally used in education? No, no, no. Well, no, 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 no. There's, there's obviously no. There's, there's, there's no. Yeah, there's no rule of thumb. Yeah, it really depends. Because if you're, you know, if you're, just if you just look at the what, what's happened in the market in the last two, three, well, three years in, in terms of COVID. Mm-hmm. So uh, this time three years ago, uh, there's just murmurs of what's happening in with 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 uh, with, with COVID and. Uh, what COVID did in that that first year in 22, sorry, 20, uh, get me dates bits mixed up now, in, in uh, whatever it was. Anyway, uh, that first year, it, that big switch to online, the suddenly online mm-hmm. learning and everything to do with digital became very, very popular. Mm-hmm. So what you saw in uh, the back end, I guess, of 21 was those those you know companies um there were some very attractive assets that came up for sale and went went for some very attractive multiples mm-hmm. and uh i think one of the the general things i was having a conversation with with one company yesterday is that the there is a diminished number of attractive assets mm-hmm. <laughs> and and also you've got at the same time reduced valuations so expectations of the buyer versus the 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 uh, the seller. There's a, there's a mismatch I think at the moment that, that sellers have not adjusted yet mm. to uh, the change in valuations. Um, uh, but there there's still some good. It's not that there's not you know if you're if you've got a good asset that you know ticks all the boxes uh, that 
people will 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 will, will pay a reasonable price. But uh, I think the the thing in the particularly in the school sector in the UK, there's a lot of sub uh, you know not, not, not subprime, but you know sub uh, sub size sub scale mm. assets that people are trying to shift. Mm. And I think that the uh, and, and I've still got a sort of disconnect between you know something that may even just have a million revenue and some idea of what the valuation mm. is. But there's no there's no fast rule, but you know hard or fast rule about what multiples mm. to go for. But you're better off in a subscription business than you are in a um, you know just a, a one off sale. But you know the mm. more more your income is is generated by uh, recurring revenue. Yeah. That's yeah. the yeah, yeah. That makes you more Yeah, attractive. absolutely. Um, Ed. Ed Riley. Which <laughs> 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 Ed? Um, okay, so what do you think are the kind of um, main sort of growth opportunities in the ed tech sector in the next three years? Well, uh, it's, it's quite interesting, really, because it, I, I, it's always interesting how you describe ed tech, isn't it? I think, I think ed tech has become... You know, it's, it's as as yeah, is a sort of capital yeah. term, and anyone who can uh, yeah put edtech thinks the valuation will go go through the go through the roof. Um, but I think I think the in in the in the school sector, I think when I when I sort of look in, I, I still see lots of lots of people operating in silos or lots of offers that are. Particularly in the, the what I would describe as the key areas from a, a teacher school point of view, which is the the combination of assessment, content, and the whole student information system type. And I think there's there's you've got companies that are trying to provide some of the glue, mm. like one yeah. for ex, what one for example. But I, I do wonder whether there's a there 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 is that sort of opportunity because it, ultimately what you're what what you're what I guess. In many ways, looking at what what teachers are are looking for are, are coming back to the whole issue of of you know more effective use of their time and 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 so forth is is something that can provide that you know pull that information together in 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 a, in a sort of almost a single dashboard that maybe so if you're if you've got so if you've got the, the 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 formative assessments of GL and you're doing ongoing um, during during the year. You've got the, con- the content, and you're you're just we've got all this data that's now being collected, and I, I still wonder that whether there's a something that's on top of it. I, I you know, I will, you know, I throw in AI as as a, but there's something that can can show you the paths of um the, the of of uh of students and what what actions you need to take that that mm-hmm. kind of thing. I, I think that's that's the bit that's that's re- missing potentially. I think in you know, there's the, people got part of the solution, but I, I don't think the whole of the solution isn't isn't quite out there uh, at, at, at present. Um, and if you move out of the sort of K, the, the sort of K twelve space, I think the 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 where you do move more into people, you know, more of the sort of B to C space. Um, then I think that the whole issue of post sixteen and, and 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 the skills gap and how you can use technology, you know, how you can help people find the their their their, their best routes and and look at their you know what kind of skill set you need and then you can provide you know a sort of training or which you know in a hybrid online come face to face model. Um, I think that's the I, I, I say I feel that's the big. That's the big 
opportunity outside of the school sector is, is how you give people the right skills for the for you know going forward and, and, and you've got business for example obviously multiversity which is um or not multiversity multiverse so multiverse, anyway you and blair's business which uh, has got an extraordinary one billion dollar valuation but the, the the key the key the only key bit of tech they they they, they have uh, any anything that's specifically special is the they, they 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 run an algorithm just to try and match you wanting to do an apprenticeship with someone with a company that's probably best fit, yeah. best fits your profile um it's not terribly sophisticated but i think there's a lot more that can be done in in that sort of area yeah i guess the hard the hardest thing about this from um, my perspective obviously being an ex-teacher working with lots of teachers and working um with other professionals now is getting tech people <laughs> and education people to work together really well and understand each other i think that's the uh the hardest thing to move it forward and it takes a lot of money as well to do that mm. yeah no, i agree i think i think the i think one of the problems that if you're you know if you're looking about issues of scaling businesses i, I think one of the it, you know there are a number of factors but if you if you look at all the all the research you you essentially need you need you need in building a business in in the in particularly that one that's in it very much focused on the classroom as such is you 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 need a, 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 a techie you need an educationalist and to actually to scale that business you know you need a salesperson you need those three people uh, and uh i think the the problem with struggling to <clears throat> companies that struggle to scale is that often you don't have all those three together yeah. so you have you you, you you have a good techie who who has an idea um but doesn't really relate doesn't doesn't relate back to how this is going to work in the classroom mm -hmm. as such uh and I, I see lots of those businesses likewise you have good educationists who have an idea but the fundamental thing and the reason why most of these businesses don't scale in the end is that uh, i think two things right one is one is the too much focus on product not enough on sales and secondly um owners or the founders don't recognize their limitations and i think you you've got to you've got you've got to realize you know what's your skill set yes. and, and often often that's not as i say it comes back to the it's not selling mm -hmm. so you if you if you recognize that uh, you, yes then there's an opportunity to scale the business but i think that's why most businesses don't 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 scale significantly mm -hmm. uh, also if you want to sell in the future you have to remove yourself anyway <clears throat> You do absolutely. You've got to. You've got to have a sort of yeah. So that's another yeah. Absolutely, that's another thing about the leadership of business. You've got to, you know, you, you've got to show you 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 put a leadership team or you've got a leadership team in place that can can take the business forward if you're not uh, if, if if you're not in, involved in the business. Do you know what we've had such a lovely chat? Thank you so much. Um, I'm just that oh. we've been we've been going for thirty five minutes already. Um, Tell us how, so I would say at the moment, a lot of uh, listeners, uh, education business podcast, uh, this will be very, very new to them. Whereabouts can they find out about um, reading the assignment report or, or finding out about m in education? 
Well, so, well, the the it, well, the easiest way is just to uh, visit our uh, website. So if they visit the the assignmentreport.com, and they will they will come to our, our site, and that will uh, they can sign up for a uh, a, a, free, a free trial of the uh, the current edition, and then they can review that. That will give them some digital access as well. <clears throat> and then um, if they want to take it further, they can they can subscribe. Yeah, if they uh, yeah. find it really interesting, read. I find it really interesting yeah, reading. So thank you. Interesting, definitely. Okay, that's that's good, but it's uh, no, it's it's uh, it's very uh, yeah, it's very enjoyable to put together every every month. I have to say, um, so we we're working with um, some specialists in MA. So after this call, I'll talk to you about people you might know because they were at Capita as well. Um, but um, they they were quite impressed that there was uh, that there was there was a magazine as such or a newsletter for education. I was like, oh, that's really helpful. You don't have to go do all the research. It's <laughs> so, good. Very good. Super. Right. Thank you. you so much. Okay. No. Thank you, Claire, and thank you, Ed. Thank you. thank you for listening to the Education Business Podcast. To get more information to grow your business, sign up at educationbusinessclub.co.uk.